Welcome to our engaging ESG podcast series. This series is going to provide insights on a range of ESG-related topics, ranging from climate change to accounting and reporting matters. I'm your host, Kyla Fisser, a manager in accounting consulting services in the PwC South African practice. For this first podcast in our new series, I'm pleased to welcome Renita Duariga, reporting leader for PwC Africa and a technical accounting partner in our South African practice. Welcome to the podcast, Renita. Thanks, Kyla. I'm actually really excited about this podcast series, and I'm looking forward to engaging on ESG matters today. Renita, you are no stranger to the podcast studio, having been a guest on the Talco Talks podcast series and just recently a guest on the Retail podcast series on the top shelf. But today, we are putting you in the spotlight once again to talk about a very hot topic being sustainability and ESG. There have been many discussions on the topic by various stakeholders, including investors, governments, audit firms, and most recently, standard-setting boards. There are so many nuances to this topic. But to start off, could you share with us the importance of sustainability reporting and why companies need to start thinking about this? So there's a lot to think about when it comes to ESG. The simple answer, Kyla, is that companies should not only be thinking broadly about ESG, but rather embedding ESG into every aspect of their business, particularly their strategy and performance management. So succeeding in business today is no longer about profitability, and companies need to realize that they are not operating in a silo. Therefore, a company's broader societal impacts are increasingly important to investors and other stakeholders. And in the last few years, stakeholders have looked to factors other than profit to evaluate the value proposition of a company. And what might these other factors be, Renita? Would you share some examples? Well, there's a wide range of issues that fall under the first part being the E of ESG. So these are, for example, a company's impact on the environment through its greenhouse gas emissions, water usage and waste management. The S or social aspects would be, for example, how a company treats its employees and addresses diversity and inclusion in the workplace. And lastly, the G which is for governance, is exactly that. So it focuses on how companies are governed, how they establish remuneration policies, responsible investment practices, and ethics, to name a few. If I think about a company's financial reporting and the international financial reporting standards, there is a focus on the profits and related disclosures. Whereas now with ESG, there are many other non-financial factors that companies need to consider that directly impact the value of the company. It appears that stakeholders are increasingly requiring ESG-related information, companies need to evidence a convincing ESG strategy, and then to report on ESG performance. That's right. Uh, From an ESG perspective, uh, there is an increased focus on what is called the company's enterprise value. And this encompasses both the the financial and the non-financial reporting elements. Uh, Investors and other stakeholders are now demanding more information, on the ESG factors that tells the story of a company's broader societal impact, uh, which is not necessarily addressed under current IFRS requirements. uh, With many different non-financial reporting frameworks already being applied by companies, uh, the ESG reporting landscape is often referred to as an alphabet soup of choice. uh, And this is 
actually creating an urgent need for standardized sustainability reporting, which will aid in comparability and consistency. So to answer your question, Kyla, on the importance of sustainability reporting, the value of sustainability reporting is that it enables organizations to be transparent in reporting on their impacts and risks in line with what investors and other stakeholders are asking for. Okay, great. I'm going to shift the focus to talk a bit more about what's happening in our local market. A number of companies have made net zero commitment announcements and just recently ahead of COP26, South Africa joined a partnership with other countries to support a just transition to a low carbon economy and a climate resilient society. We are also seeing our local financial institutions issuing green bonds and our listeners can look forward to our banking industry podcast episode where we will discuss these green financial instruments. Let's perhaps start with net zero. PwC has published a 2021 Net Zero Index publication, which outlines South Africa's progress in this space. Would you share some highlights of the findings with us? Yes, sure. So whilst it is a positive sign that many South African national and multinational companies have made net zero commitments, some by 2030 and we've seen others by 2050, South Africa has seen consecutive increases in carbon intensity but with limited GDP growth to show for the implied growth. In order to meet the goal to limit the global temperature increase to 2 degrees Celsius, South Africa will therefore need to cut its emissions by as much as 60 to 75 percent by 2050. And South Africa remains the worst performer in the G20 in terms of carbon intensity. However, While South Africa and regulators are focusing on the climate aspect of ESG, companies and boards are focusing on social aspects as well, such as the impact on employees, communities, and the rising levels of unemployment. So the announcement to support a just transition to a low carbon economy is certainly positive. And the use of the term just transition in the South African context is particularly important given the high levels of poverty, inequality, and unemployment. It is also often framed as a transition to a lower carbon economy without excessive losses in jobs. So workers that could be displaced by transitioning from a carbon-intensive economy should, for example, be upskilled to integrate effectively into the labor market of a low-carbon era. So I highly recommend our PwC publication on what a just transition means for jobs in South Africa for our listeners. Fantastic, Renita. Our listeners can find this publication on www.pwc.ca.za in the publications and insights section. On the topic of stakeholder views, the high level results of the 2021 PwC Global Investor ESG survey has recently been released. This survey captures the views of 325 investors around the world, majority of whom are asset managers and analysts with investment firms and banks. Renita, could you share with us the stats reported in this survey? Sure, Kyla. You really are up to date uh, with our ESG mm-hmm. publications. Uh, so I, luckily, I jotted down a few points uh, that I do want to touch on. The first thing is that 
climate is the leading ESG consideration for the investor surveyed. And reducing scope one and scope two greenhouse gas emissions was cited by 65% of respondents as the ESG issues companies should prioritize. What's more, Kyla, is that 82% of investors said it is important that ESG reporting explains the rationale for environmental commitments, along with detailed plans on how the entity plans to achieve them, ensuring worker health and safety, improving workforce and executive diversity and inclusion were certainly other priority ESG considerations which we identified. Well, Renita, you are very prepared with your stats, so I'm very impressed. What are other points that the survey brought to light? So the next one was strategy, uh, which was certainly another key consideration. So according to the investors surveyed, ESG strategy starts at the top, of investors said that ESG needs to be embedded in the corporate strategy. And by a wide margin, 66% of respondents said they are most confident that ESG issues are being addressed if someone in the C-suite is accountable. So more than half of those respondents, so 53%, think it should be the CEO. In my view, the survey certainly highlights the need for a single set of globally aligned sustainability reporting standards, which will aid in that consistency and comparability. And in the absence of this, ESG investors and other stakeholders are extremely challenged in evaluating ESG matters. So companies need to focus on incorporating ESG standards taking into account international frameworks and other benchmarks for performance while ensuring consistency and transparency of the treatment of ESG matters within the financial statements. There are currently a number of frameworks which are already being applied by companies. So we saw some stats that were cited by the Chartered Governance Institute of South Africa in their 2021 publication. And that reflected that 58% of JSE top 40 companies refer to what is called TCFD or Task Force of Climate Related Disclosures in their integrated reports. And 63% of the JSE top 40 companies take ESG into account in their core strategies. So companies really need to ensure that ESG disclosures are consistent and transparent. And when you tell investors and other stakeholders how you plan to reset your strategy, reimagine your reporting, reinvent your operations and drive towards new outcomes, you build trust while creating sustainable value for the long term. Thanks so much for that, Renita. Earlier, you mentioned consistency and comparability in reporting, and there are a plethora of different initiatives and non-financial reporting standards already in this regard. TCFD, GRI, SASB, Climate Disclosure Standards Board, and a whole lot more. I can understand why these are referred to as the alphabet soup. There's just so many acronyms. Could you provide some context on the key non-financial reporting standards? That's another great question, Kyla. So let me touch on a few of the major ones you've mentioned. So let's start off with GRI, which is the Global Reporting Initiative. So GRI is an independent international organization with global standards for sustainability reporting as its main product. They are voluntary 
for all entities, and they have a multi-stakeholder focus. GRI covers general universal topics, as well as specific areas relating to environmental, social, and governance topics. The second one is TCFD, so the Task Force for Climate-Related Financial Disclosure, which is again a sustainability reporting framework. However, it focuses solely on climate change. So at the heart of it, TCFD is helping an entity assess the risk of climate change and consider the financial implications it has on an entity. The TCFD recommendations are for entities to voluntarily disclose climate-related information, to provide investors with more information on the financial impact of climate risk. A key TCFD recommendation is the use of scenario analysis, which allows a company to understand and quantify the risk and uncertainties it may face in different scenarios. The next one I want to touch on is the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board, known as the SASB. And they have developed non-financial reporting standards to provide investors with comparable non-financial information. So the standards aim to provide what you can call a minimum bar for disclosures, standardized further by industry, so that investors can compare between entities. And unlike GRI, which is multi-stakeholder focused, the SASB standards cater more for the needs of investors and other providers of financial capital. The SASB has now merged with the Integrated Reporting Foundation to form what is called the Value Reporting Foundation. So certainly an alphabet soup, but there have been developments in the space. You are right, Renita. The developments tie into the demand by investors for improvements in consistency and comparability in non-financial reporting. You spot on there, Kyla. And this demand is partly arising from the investors' concerns that entities are essentially greenwashing information. So greenwashing is a term used for entities being selective in disclosing information, which provides a positive picture of the sustainability of the company's products and practices, which naturally leads to misleading reporting. An aligned set of global sustainability standards will help mitigate that risk of greenwashing and achieve, once again, that consistency and comparability in reporting, which I've mentioned a few times. The IRFACE Foundation has made an exciting announcement recently at the COP26 conference. Please tell us more about this. Yes, Kyla. So a major step has been taken towards globally aligned ESG reporting. At the COP26 conference, the IFRS Foundation announced the creation of the International Sustainability Standards Board, or the ISSB. Now, this was in response to the call for globalization of sustainability standards. The Climate Disclosure Standards Board and the Value Reporting Foundation, which I mentioned earlier, merged to form the ISSB and two prototype standards have already been published and the ISSB's goal is to publish the first climate standard in the second half of 2022. Well, this is indeed very exciting and seems to be moving forward at a rapid pace. What do the prototype standards cover? So the first prototype provides guidance on the disclosure of material information and in addition, a hierarchy of the guidance to be used 
if an ISSB standard is not yet in place for a material ESG topic. Uh, it is based on the four pillars used in the recommendations by the TCFD, which is governance, strategy, risk management, and metrics and targets. Uh, the second prototype uh, provides guidance on climate reporting, uh, which we envisage will establish narrative-based disclosures linked to those same four pillars that I referred to above, uh, being governance, strategy, risk management, uh, and metrics and targets. Uh, it also uh, puts in place cross-industry metrics, uh, including metrics on greenhouse gas emissions. Uh, now that the ISSB has been established and there is a set of globally aligned non-financial reporting standards in the pipeline, how should one think about the relationship between financial reporting and non-financial reporting in the future? Is there a risk that financial reporting may be overlooked given the emphasis investors and other stakeholders are placing on non-financial reporting? I don't believe that this will be the case at all. The ISSB will sit alongside the International Accounting Standards Board, that is the IASB, with ultimate oversight by the IFRS Foundation. In addition, investors already rely on financial information for their analysis and key decision making. So over and above the financial information, investors are looking for non-financial information to understand what impacts enterprise value. So certainly both are important. And there is actually an interaction or trade-off between the two. And there should be consistency in the information reported in the financial reporting section and the front half of the annual report, which covers the non-financial reporting. And Kyla, this is an area which is receiving a lot of investor focus and scrutiny. A key takeaway from this discussion for me is that consistency sounds like a key word in the reporting world. It's also clear that the ESG world is changing at quite a pace and we can expect developments in the future. And on that note, we have come to the end of this episode and have indeed closed off with exciting developments. Renita, do you have any parting thoughts or reflections that you would like to share with our listeners? Yes, I do have a few closing points from my side. From a reporting perspective, in our local African market, non-financial reporting frameworks have not yet been mandated or regulated. However, that should not deter companies from planning and mapping out their ESG risk and opportunities and incorporating their responses into their core strategy. There is significant investor activism in this regard, and we have seen investor activist bodies such as JustShare and large investment houses such as BlackRock BlackRock is the largest asset manager, raise questions and challenge many entities' ESG disclosure. So BlackRock has actually publicly stated that they will use their proxy votes to make sure that companies that they invest in report properly on climate risk. So if you think about it, the long and medium-term resilience of business models, the ability to create value, will depend on integrating ESG into core strategy. ESG performance will determine whether entities get access to financing and even have access to insurance at, at reasonable rates. So ultimately, entities will need to report and deliver on their ESG claims, and they need to do so on the basis of robust and trustworthy data. Lastly, all I can say to our listeners, Kyla, 
is to watch this space because there are more exciting developments on ESG reporting and accounting developments. Thank you for joining us, Renita, and sharing these interesting ESG insights. To our listeners, stay tuned for our next episode in the Engaging ESG series where we will explore the ESG impacts in the banking industry. This podcast is brought to you by PwC, all rights reserved. PwC refers to the South African member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com forward slash structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.